sleep will be well and your soul will be at peace. He'll, he'll restore every minute, everything you do, he will restore. Come on, let's lift our hands tonight. Come on, just give him your worship. Give him your adoration. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be crazy. It can just be a smile toward heaven saying, Lord, I love you. (laughs) Lord, tonight we lay aside every weight. Come on right now. Maybe you've come in heavy. Maybe you've come in with worry, with doubt, with unbelief, with bills, with anger, with unforgiveness, with sin. Lay aside every weight and thus sin which keeps us from running the race. Just lay those things down now so that the word of God has easy and quick access into your mind and into your heart tonight. Every hindrance, we remove it right now. I'm not worried about the text message I'll miss on my phone. I'm not worried about the television show I may or may not miss. I'm not worried about the bill that I've got to pay when I get home or running to get the family dinner. I'm not worried about any of those things at this moment. I'm not going to allow a future event to keep me from a present miracle. So, Lord, we have made ourselves ready. And we thank you that we are prepared to receive from your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Give somebody a handshake tonight and tell them that you're a mountain mover and a giant killer. Come on, find somebody and shake their hand and say you're shaking the hand of a mountain mover. Come on, amen. And you can be seated. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord. I'm not a singer, but I feel the Lord. Come on now. He is high and lifted up. I feel the Lord in this house tonight. I feel a mountain moving spirit in this place tonight. If you have sickness or disease any place in your body, I want you to just lay your hands on it. See, there's a level of faith where you can get somebody to lay hands on you. And there's a level of faith where you just believe that I can believe God's word. And it is. I feel the Lord. He is high and lifted up. Come on, lay your hand right on that spot. Maybe it's a shoulder, a lung, a heart. Maybe it's arthritis in the knees or a hip that is out of joint. Lord, I speak healing into that place right now. You are Jehovah Rapha, Lord God, our healer. You're not the Lord of doubt and unbelief. You are the God that healed our disease. I'm not waiting on a healing, for your word says I was healed. Ha, <laughs> ha, Lord, I'm not waiting on the Holy Ghost to come on down, for you said you have already sent him on down. (laughs) Lord, I'm not waiting on a move of God. I am a move of God. (laughs) Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this place tonight. 
we thank you for it in Jesus name amen I just feel we're going to have an awesome time at the end of the message tonight how many have enjoyed yourselves this week you know we've um, when I travel this is the first time I've done a Sunday to Wednesday in 15 months I do a lot of one day things two day things uh, and, and, and that matter, I did one in Indiana that was like a Friday to Monday, kind of similar, uh, but not, uh, totally like this. And, uh, sometimes when I go places and I know as your pastor travels and those other ministers among us, sometimes the Lord will have an emphasis when you're somewhere on altar ministry. And there's some places I never even get to preach where I'm just praying for people. It's a time of deliverance. And then there's another time when there's a lot of uh, people bringing the unsaved and it's a time of salvation. And we even turn on the baptismal and we baptize every two months at our church and, and keep that, that, that thing going fresh. And then there's a time when, uh, you might have a lot of healing and there's an emphasis on healing. And I really feel that my time here in your presence has been a time of affirmation. I haven't been on your website and your pastor hasn't sent me any of his messages or uh, anybody Facebook me preach this or preach that. This is where we are. This is where we aren't. But I feel in my spirit that this has been a season of affirmation where the Lord is bringing affirmation to what your pastor, your bishop has been preaching. And I've just been a wind that has come along and hit the sail of what this church has been called to do. And it's just going to keep you moving forward. I, I haven't been here to pull down any walls or to cast out any devils on this occasion, but the Lord has had me here to just breathe a fresh breath into what you already have. Can somebody say amen? And speaking of that, you have a wonderful pastor. And I want to give honor to Pastor Brian and Renee. Would you guys stand up and let your church love on you? And come on, just put your hands together and, and thank them very much for being men and women of God. I want to thank you very much for what you do for the Lord. When I travel, I'm under the authority of the house that I am at. I'm under that pastor's covering. I don't blow in, blow up, and blow out. I want to ask that you'll keep us in prayer as well. Um, in two weeks, we'll be in Capitol Heights, Maryland for one night at New Life Worship Center. And then four days later, we'll be over at Virginia Beach for one uh, service only over there. And then we'll be in uh, North Carolina. And then in August, we'll be in Monte Cristi, uh, Dominican Republic uh, for a four-day uh, conference there. And then uh, back to uh, Indiana and... Uh, as you know, I'm the co-founder and vice president of Compassion in Action uh, International, not the one, uh, the wing where the children are fed, but uh, what my friend and I in Miami birth is a church building and a school building uh, organization. And we go into countries, we go into regions and we build churches um, and education centers. We're looking at building an unwed uh, mother's home in Panama. We had a request come in and all I know how to do is say yes. Uh, everything we've done is debt free. We did uh, 17 building projects in the last five years and we don't make a payment on any of them. Well, I'm glad you're excited about that. I sure am. Because if they weren't, 
If they weren't, I would have to come here and spend my whole time handing you envelopes and begging you. Instead, I can come here and spend my time preaching the gospel. And as I seek first the kingdom, God adds everything I need. Come on, somebody. I'm not looking for a blessing. Blessings are looking for me. That's a funner way to live. I just choose that way. So if you would, keep all that in prayer. We'll, we'll be back in the Dominican in August, another team in September, uh, Indonesia in October, and back to Panama in November, and then again in March. So we have five or six uh, major outreaches, and then we have a team from Miami that's going to Russia uh, as well. And so we are always sending people to the nations of the world, and every year is just growing, and it's almost to the point we don't know what to do. But God does. Come on, somebody say amen. Open your Bibles to John chapter 9. Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back. (laughs) That's the 11th commandment that they tell evangelists when they ordain them. Amen. I've had some people in my church, I just had to kind of shut them off. I'm like, glory be to God. Two hours is enough. Amen. Come on now. You know what the feeling and we've learned a lot. Sunday night, if you're just coming in on the revival, we, we've had a wonderful time. And we don't disparage you because you haven't been able to be here. We are excited that you're here tonight. And Sunday night, we learned that we are in him. Everybody shout in him. Come on, shout in him. And in Ephesians 1, if we're in him, we're covered by the blood. Then it says there that if we're covered by the blood and we're in him, that we have been predestined to walk in our inheritance. And as we're in him, covered by the blood, in our inheritance, that we have been guaranteed by the Holy Spirit and sealed by the Holy Spirit. We also learn that we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and all power. That word complete means I am lacking no necessary part or element to fulfill the call of God upon my life. Everybody shout, I'm complete in him. And then we learn that we've got to get a new mindset that when we accept Christ, we are like a hard drive of a computer and God downloads his nature into us. Isn't that awesome that Jesus said, what I did, you do also? And Paul said that I need to make you at Philippi mindful that you should have the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? That he did not think it arrogant that he could be equal with his creator, his God. You are not God, but our mindset is that God lives in us. And if I see a mountain, I don't have to climb it. I can move it. And so we took time to get a mindset of victory, but thanks be to God who has given me the victory. In other words, I'm not fighting for the victory. I'm fighting from the victory. Mm. That'll change your life right there. That one phrase. Then we learned last night that we are mountain movers and giant killers. Everybody shout real loud. I'm a mountain mover. And I know the church and religion and all this will hand out climbing gear and tell you better just climb that problem. You better walk around that problem. You better tell everybody about that problem. Get 20 opinions on that problem. Get a psychiatrist to check out that problem. Get a doctor to give you a prescription based on that problem. Set up a counseling session to deal with that problem. No, Jesus didn't say any of that. He said, look at that mountain and speak to it. Tonight, we're going to learn that your problem may possess a purpose. 
<laughs> Go to John chapter 9. Now, they have me up a little bit tonight to help my throat, so I hope it's not, is it not too loud for anybody. Is everybody okay? Everybody okay? That's good. Thank you uh, for, allowing, for allowing that for my assistance. John chapter 9. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Lord, my baby is jumping. My spirit on the inside of me is leaping, much like when Mary greeted Elizabeth and the baby John the Baptist leapt in her womb. My baby is jumping tonight. I feel there's a revelation and expectancy of birthing that is going to happen in the mentality of a handful of people that are present in this room tonight. Lord, my words won't be long, but I pray that they be powerful. Lord, I don't have the Greek and Hebrew on this subject tonight, but Lord, I have the Holy Spirit and power and demonstration upon this message tonight. So Lord, I pray that your anointing would flow across this building tonight and let revelation knowledge be birthed. Now, as Jesus passed by John chapter nine, verse one, Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, we know by history there were other people with this blind man. The infirm would collect themselves in areas, usually outside the gate or by a temple or a synagogue or a business, and they would collect alms or handouts or crumbs or or clothing from the wealthy. And Jesus found one man among the many. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Everybody say from birth. There are times when things happen in our life that we don't have every answer to. And when I don't know the answer to something, I don't spend a lot of time focusing on what I don't know, but I focus on what I do know. The first person that I ever buried was a four-month-old child, and I couldn't answer to the mama why that husband had kind of choked him out and this and that. I couldn't focus on what I didn't know. I had to focus on what I did know, that, that Jesus said, I've gone to heaven and I have prepared a place. And if it were not so, I would have told you that in heaven there is a mansion. Come on, somebody say amen. That I, I had to focus on what I did know. Because if we focus on all this, who, what, why, sometimes you don't know the answer to everything. There are times I meet with people and they'll ask me, Pastor, I want your opinion. And I'll say, as long as you understand, I may not have one. Pastor, I want your answer. Well, you can meet with me as long as you understand I may not have an answer because now I see through glasses darkly, but then I will see all and know all. And so this man was born blind. His problem, we will later find out, possessed a purpose. And there are times that you will have a problem in your life and adversity in your life and we'll focus on that mountain, we'll focus on that problem, and we won't focus on what's the purpose behind it. Why is this trouble going on? Why is this relationship in trouble? Why is this church under attack? Why are my finances under attack? And we'll focus on the problem and we'll neglect to see that maybe there's a purpose behind the problem. 
And his disciples ask him, have you ever noticed that you'll frequently have people in your life that'll find an inopportune time to ask a stupid question? Have you ever had that happen? Right in the middle of something good, somebody will say something negative. And the Bible says, think on these things that are pure and lovely and full of a good report and virtuous. And, and you'll be right in the middle of saying, man, this is the best apple pie I've ever had. And then they'll bring up, well, the last two weren't that good. Well, pray good. Where in the world does that come from? You'll always have people. And a lot of times it can be people. These are the disciples. They knew better. Come on now. Sometimes religious people can come up with some bad questions. I'll leave it at that. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi. They addressed him as teacher because they were hoping to get a lesson, <coughs> a tutor each. Who sinned? They were hoping to get a theological discourse. They didn't address him as Lord or as Messiah. On this question, they addressed him as rabbi. They were hoping to get a theological discourse on sin. Instead, Jesus is about to give them a theological discourse on healing. Jesus, they said, who sinned, this man or his parents? that caused him to be born with this problem. Now, when I was born, I was very sick. They thought I had cystic fibrosis or leukemia, lung condition. My mom had a lot of x-rays when she was pregnant before she was new. She was pregnant, and this was the end of 69, the beginning of 70. They didn't have the technology and the knowledge that they have today. And for three to five years, I was in and out of John Hopkins and the University of Virginia and King's Daughters Hospital. They thought I would die. They said I would never talk. Ha, ha, ha. Said I would be an invalid and I would be a vegetable. Come on, somebody. I got a bachelor's degree, an associate's degree, an ordination. Come on, somebody say amen. They, they were wrong. But my mom and dad went to their pastor and the pastor said that your son is sick because of your sin. Obviously, he had never read the Bible and somehow he had ascended to the pulpit. And it told my mom that your son is sick because of sin you committed before you came to Christ. Well, thank God my mom and dad left that church. Come on. I won't tell you the denomination because I grew up in it and they get a lot of people saved. But praise God, they didn't stay under that false theology because I would have died. So this man is born blind and we're going to find out that his problem possessed a greater purpose. And there are times when problems come our way and we get so overwhelmed by the problem that we forget to look beyond the horizon of the situation and the problem and see that maybe there's a purpose. Maybe this keeps happening to me until I make the decision. Maybe this keeps getting stirred up until I deal with the situation. Maybe my finances keep going awry until I get rid of the credit card. What is the purpose beyond the problem? We want to solve the problem and we don't want to see the purpose. 
And Jesus answered, nobody sinned. This, neither this man, how could he have sinned? He was prenatal. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Jesus is telling him that mama didn't sin and daddy didn't sin and the young man here did not sin, but there was a purpose that God had to get out of this problem and you're about to see why this man was born. Touch your neighbor and say, my problem might have a bigger purpose. See, when I began to realize that some of the troublemakers and problem people in my church ended up being some of the biggest blessings in my church, they, they, they would get frustrated and worked up. And a lot of that wasn't because they hated me. It wasn't because they hated the church. A lot of that was because they had a gifting and a calling and they didn't know how to get beyond the problem and into their purpose. And so as I began to share with them and open doors of opportunity, the problem went away. And the purpose was revealed. I must work the works of him, verse 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Now they ask him about sin. And he goes on, tell them, they tell you not sin. I got to be busy while it's day. Don't you just love when you talk to somebody that knows so much more than you and they've got the art of when you ask them a question, they can just ignore what you ask them and say, sound like a politician. Come on now. Well, what do you think about uh, welfare? Well, and they go on and tell you about uh, uh, Saudi Arabia or something like that. And Jesus here, there's some people, they have the ability that no matter what you ask them, they have a, a, a way where they can go right beyond what you ask them and give you what you need. Now, politicians won't do that. Come on, somebody say amen. If you're looking for a politician to help you, you need to go ahead and get saved. Because you don't look to the government to pay your bills. Jehovah Jireh can do just fine. Come on, somebody say amen. We don't need hands out. We need hands up. We got more hands out now than we got hands working. But I won't preach on politics right now. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. For the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So they ask him about sin and he talks to him about night and day. Now they're probably sitting there, what in the world is going on? We ask you about this man's problem and now you're starting to talk to us about the daylight and the nighttime and you got to work because there's coming a day when you won't be able to work. You, you, they were probably wondering, what? Gee, you need to rest, Jesus. Let's get you to the holiday inn and let you sleep a while. You done gone crazy. No, he wasn't worried about the problem. He wasn't going to focus on the negative. He wasn't going to focus even on the sin. He wasn't going to focus on why this happened. He wanted to reveal the purpose behind it. See, we need to be a purpose-driven people, a purpose-driven church, have purpose-driven praise, have purpose-driven prayers. We can't stop and worry about every little problem. We got to keep on keeping on with the purpose. 
And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground. Now, come on now. I know it's in the King James, but I mean, come on. He's talking to a guy, and to make mud, you got to spit a lot of spit. So picture it here. They're asking Jesus as rabbi, teacher, to give him a theological discourse on who was the greatest sinner that caused this sickness. They didn't realize that because of one man's sickness came into the earth, that this happened because Adam, not because his mama. I wish I could get into, we live in a fallen world and the fallen world theology, but this didn't happen because his mama sinned or he sinned. This happened because the door was open in Genesis 3. Now look at this. And he said these things, he spat in the ground, and he made clay with the saliva. So, poof, 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 poof. Poof. The sound's sounding good tonight. Amen. Uh, Amen. I'm glad I found this out on Wednesday night. Got some good sound. <laughs> Amen. And he made up some clay. Now, now check this out. Look what he does next. He, it, it seems like he's lost his mind. He spat in the ground. He made clay. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. What? What? The dude is blind. He may have dead eyeballs or he may have eye sockets with no eyeballs. But either way, have you ever got something stuck in your eye? Have you? I was riding my motorcycle through the mountains of Goshen and over there near West Virginia, Virginia line and White Sulphur Springs. And my friend has that Ninja 1400 fastest production bike that is made. And he was going up a hill and threw a rock that went around and hit like the side of my helmet and came up under my glasses and went in my eyes. And we had to stop for two hours while I got that little speck out of my eye because it affected air. You, you go like this, you pull off the road you can't do anything with something little it frustrates you now imagine having two handfuls of dirt stuffed in your eyes imagine if a speck of sawdust or a blade of grass irritates you imagine this blind man was already frustrated he's blind he was already miserable he couldn't see and jesus comes and makes him more miserable hello Has your problem ever seemed to get worse before it gets better? Does it ever seem like your mountain grows 30,000 feet right when you get ready to speak to it? Has it ever dawned on you that the argument always comes at about 9 o'clock on Sunday morning? Come on, somebody. Sometime a little frustration is motivation. Come on, somebody. Every now and then it's good to get frustrated. It's good to have a little dirt jammed in our eyes because it will cause a reaction. Sometimes you got to frustrate people to move people. Don't nobody like a frustration message. They want to give me a $100 bill message and come on somebody. And and they want to lay hands on me message. But sometime the Lord might come and frustrate you right into your purpose. So we know how bad something little in our eye hurts. Imagine having two handfuls of dirt stuffed in your dry eye sockets. 
And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated the sent place. So we know by what Jesus said in verse 5 that he was a sent man and we know now that he is sending this man to a sent place. Now look at this. The man is blind. They're asking him about sin. Jesus ignores the problem and is trying to get this crowd to the purpose. He jams dirt in his eyes and doesn't even heal him there. That'd be like Benny Hinn saying, oh, you're paralyzed? Here, let me stick a few sharp knives in your legs. Now you walk back home, and when you get home, you'll feel the pain and be healed. Hello? The man was there minding his own business, and Jesus picks him out of a crowd to do an illustrated sermon with. I mean, how would you like to be this blind man? You hoping to get a penny or a loaf of bread, and now Jesus has got you in front of his disciples as an illustrated message. Because the problem that he was born with had a greater purpose than the blindness. Come on, somebody say amen. Your problem is not all about you. Your problem is not all about your current situation. That problem could possess a purpose that will launch this church into a next level or launch your children into a new level. There is a purpose. And so he stuffs dirt in this guy's eyes. And then he says, I'm not even going to heal you here. I want you to go to the scent place. So here he's already blind. Now he's blind with dirt stuffed in his eyes. And so now walking, he had learned to walk with the blindness, with whatever. Now he's got to be in a little bit of pain. And Jesus don't even heal him there. He says, you go wash it out over there in the pool of the scent place and you will be healed. See, why did Jesus do this? I believe that I, I can reveal this. Everybody around this man there was negative. The disciples were negative, saying his sin must have caused it. Everybody around him was sick and infirm, for we know that the beggars and the infirm were not like today. They didn't have government assistance, and they didn't have vans to pick them up and wheelchairs. They all congregated and lived off the kindness of the wealthy people coming in and out of the city. And so we know that it matters what you see first. And Jesus didn't want his eyes opening, and all he would see would be the sick and the infirm and the hurting and the starving. He told him to go to the scent place because it matters what your eyes see when they're open. They came on this man and Jesus was minding his business. And the disciples thought, we'll ask a smart question. What kind of sin causes blindness? See, a lot of times when something's going wrong in our life, we'll try to figure out everything. Lord, we'll be like the monks sitting up in a room and we'll be fly, uh, flogging our back. And, you know, you see the movies and they take their shirt off and they get the leather whip. And I thought the wrong thought and they try to bleed it and blood purge it out of them. We don't do that anymore, but we'll mentally do it to ourselves. What have I done to deserve this? And we'll sit here and we'll torture ourselves and, and we'll debate ourselves and we'll try to figure out every angle around the problem. And, and if I can get the right angle, the problem will go away. Sometimes you'll never figure it out until you just get to the purpose. They thought they were being smart. What sin causes blindness, Jesus? 
He just ignored them. Look, he, he, nobody sinned, for I must do the works of him who sent me while it is yet day, for the night is coming when no, no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He just ignored the question and just told him who he was. See, there's some time when you've got an anointing and people ask you stupid questions. It's all right to ignore it. And if you have the ability, you see beyond their problem and you got to try to get them to realize their purpose. I'm not going to sit there and talk with people about their problem and about their problem, about their problem, because I know God's got a greater purpose for you. And, and it doesn't do no good for me to debate about your problem. I've got to try to get you impregnated with your purpose so you'll realize that our purpose is greater than our problem. He said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated the sent place. So the sent one sent him to the sent place because it mattered what you see first. Just like in November when we preach about the spirit of acceleration, how Ahab got a head start and Ahab had one or two horses, a chariot with two wheels, and he left the head of Elijah. And it says the hand of God came behind Elijah and pushed him so that in his old age, he ran beyond the chariot of Ahab and arrived at the city gate first because it mattered who got credit. It mattered who got to the city first. Come on. And here it mattered what this guy. I saw first because what you see will affect what you believe. And so sin didn't cause this purpose, cause this problem. See, sometimes we don't like problems. We rebuke problems, but sometimes your biggest purpose can come out of your biggest problem. We want to get rid of that problem, but sometime out of that problem, well, come great faith, because look, Jesus stuffed dirt and spit in his eyes and then said, walk away from me and go to the sent place and you'll be healed. It had to take some faith for that brother to walk away from a man that spit on him and put mud in his eyes and said, when you get to the water of Siloam, you will be healed. I'm going to tell you right now, the miracle was the faith of the blind man in the midst of his problem to listen to what God said do and do it in spite of his problem, even becoming worse before the purpose was revealed. See, a lot of us will be in our problem and right in the midst of our problem, the Lord will say, do this or do that. And we're like, Lord, the minute my problem gets away from me, I'll do it. No, God wants to know if you'll walk towards your purpose right in the middle of your problem. Pastor, it took a lot of faith for this guy to be jammed full of mud and spit. First of all, not to be offended. And I found a lot of people, when they come to me with their problems, they're more quickly offended at my response than they are realizing the purpose behind their problem. It took a lot of faith for this guy not to get offended that Jesus would spit on him, put dirt in his eyes and irritate him, and then say, you're not even going to get your manifestation here. You got to do something else first. It took a lot of faith in the middle of that problem getting worse, and now his problem is called out, and everybody's looking at him wondering why he's got a problem. He was just sitting there. Come on now, let's make it real. He was sitting there minding his own business. He couldn't see nobody. He's blind, right? He didn't know who was there. 
and he's hoping for something. And now all of a sudden, he's front and center of an illustrated message and the disciples were there. So we know there was two handfuls of people there and we know there were other blind and beggars and infirm there. And we know other people started gathering around when Jesus started revealing who he was. And then when Jesus spit in the ground and jammed it in his eyes, you know, there's some people that got their swords and clubs out and said, you want us to get him? I mean, they didn't just let it. So now there's a crowd around and now this guy's problem is revealed to everybody. You ever tried to keep your problem to yourself and then all of a sudden the pastor preach about it? Not preach what you told me or him, but all of a sudden, how in the world did you know that? What in the world are you preaching about that for? How in the world? And what it is, is the spirit of revelation knowledge. And the Lord is releasing a word that, of course, you need. Otherwise, we don't need to come. Come on, somebody say amen. And there are times that our problem gets exposed to everybody. And we just got to keep going by faith because there's a purpose behind it. Now, look at this. So he went and washed and came back blind. No, what happened? All right, y'all got over here. Y'all got it in here. What happened? He came back what? Everybody say heal. Everybody say with a purpose. Now, this guy didn't mind being part of this illustrated message now. Here he was. He had a problem. And God said, behind this man's problem is a greater purpose. I'm about to reveal the divinity of my power. Through this man that was born blind, that you accused of sinning, there was no sin found in him or his mom. It has nothing to do with his mom or dad. There was a greater divine revelation that needed to be released through my ministry as the son of God. And now I have revealed my purpose to heal those that are sick. This guy's got a, you know, I know heaven don't have, you know, bigger rooms than another for great people, you know, like you're going to get the suite at the Holiday Inn instead of the room or something like that. But I would say if heaven did, this brother would have to get a special wing. Come on, somebody, because he was plucked out of his life. He was kind of humiliated in front of everybody, told to take a big step of faith, and he did it all. And he came back with a greater purpose. Come on, somebody shout amen. Now, look, it doesn't end there. The purpose gets multiplied. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. And others said, It looks like him. And he stepped in the middle and said, It is me. He had so changed and transformed, which makes me think that he was blind without eyes. Because if he had had eyes, they would have had a greater visual revelation of his facial outline and what he looked like. So I'm just of the belief that he was blind with no eyes. And when Jesus put the dirt in, out of the dirt we were created. Come on, somebody. So where else would he get some eyes but where he created us from? And he reached down in the dirt and put them in his socket. And when he came back, he had some eyes. And his neighbor said, is that him? Some said, yeah, well, that looks like like him and he said it's me hallelujah my problem is over and my purpose is revealed man I like to hear this brother preach ladies in creation you're the only thing that wasn't created out of dirt 
I tell the ladies of our church, you're more special than the men of our church because we came out of dirt and God thought more of you than us, so he took you out of us. That'll preach on Mother's Day, but that was a few weeks ago. Now look at this. Say, go and wash. Go to the sent place. In verse 7. And I could find an easy way here to preach and get the guitar and the organ going and get everybody worked up. And I don't feel that anointing right now. I just want to bring it down. And I want you to hear your own thoughts the way this guy must have heard his own thoughts. When Jesus came into his life, and it looked like when Jesus came into his life that Jesus messed his life up, made it worse. Any, anybody ever try to do something for the Lord and things got worse and not better? Well, you ain't new. Look at Moses. Took Moses, what, how many years? Forty out there and another four. Come on, somebody. There's plenty of, I, I could tell you horror story after horror story. I could have you dropping $1,000 checks at this offering feeling so sorry for me for the things I've been through. But I wouldn't give God no glory. Come on, somebody say Amen. Has it ever felt like I just can't do it anymore? Anybody ever been there? I've been there. I'm a preacher and I've been there. My wife's been there for sure because pastors, wives, and ladies in ministry, they, they got it worse than the men in ministry. Because at least sometimes the people will respect the men. Come on, somebody. You better respect your pastor's wife. Amen. I don't care if you've ever met her or like her or whatever. You better respect that. And if another woman of God comes in here, come on, somebody. They got a purpose. I'll lose my church for my wife. Come on, somebody. I'll, you know, I'll pull the gun right out. I don't need the pastor, but I need to have my wife. Come on, somebody. <laughs> now, look. This guy was told by Jesus to go to the sent place worse than Jesus found him. I want to ask you tonight, where is your sent place? What is God asking you to do by faith? Right in the midst of your problem, get rid of this. Move yourself away from that. Keep coming after me even though you can't see me, feel me, hear me, or touch me. Keep coming. Two more steps. What is your sent place? This man's sent place was a pool to wash so that that dirt could turn into eyes. Your sent place could be a mission field. It could be mending a relationship. It could be letting go of the past. It could be accepting God's divine inheritance that we learned about on Monday night. What is your sent place? I want to ask if the lead worship leader and his guitar and if you want to bring your team, that's fine. I want to ask everybody to stand up tonight. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, the Lord says that we are to be confident in this very thing, that he who has began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to complete it so you can get through the week. Come on, that's... If that's all the theology and faith we have in God that he can complete me to make it through another week, then you need to find you a better God than the one I got. 
My God don't operate that way. He will hold me and complete me and keep me going until the day of Jesus Christ. Meaning I'm not just going to succeed this week, but next week and the week after and the week after that. He who started it will complete it. And what I don't get done, I'm raising up my son and and, and I'm raising up young people in the church so that when it's time, I can hand them the church and the microphone, the building and all of that and say, my season is over, but my God hadn't completed it yet. You're next. Keep it going. He is able to complete it. But maybe you're here tonight and you're like, ah, I'm a little messed up, bro. <laughs> you don't know my situation. Man, first thing you got to realize is your situation ain't the only situation. There's a few situations I'm dealing with. And if we sit here and play the game of cards, I might trump you with my situation. You could have a situation and it seems like end of the world to you. You could tell him, and he's like, oh, that's nothing. I've been through that three times. Here you go. But if you keep it in your mind, that thing will just grow to where, like, you'll sit there. Or we can be like this blind man. Jesus shows up, and it seems like I'm more of a mess than when he got me, but he told me to do this, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to come back better than he left me. See, the trap of the enemy is to make you think your problem is the only problem. That God's never solved any problem. He's never defeated any enemy. And that's just a lie. It's a trick of the enemy. The Bible says to keep our mind on the things that are good and lovely and pure. To hold fast to the good confession of faith. To hold fast to life. For Jesus came to give us life and not death. And to give us life more abundantly. The Bible says to choose life or death, blessing or cursing. Life and blessing is a daily choice. So is the opposite. To make a mistake, to fall is to make a mistake. To stay there is a choice. To make one bad decision is a mistake. To keep making it is a lifestyle. See, God doesn't want to judge you. See, a lot of people have repentance from the wrong angle. They think repentance only deals with judgment. Repentance comes from mercy and grace. He will judge you, but he doesn't want to have to judge you. He wishes that none would perish. But there will be those that are judged and those that perish. But I take repentance because I need mercy and grace. And see, a lot of people, they only look at repentance. and just judgment's coming. You got to take that repentance because he offered, we're in the sixth dispensation, the dispensation of grace. And say, Lord, I thank you for your mercy and grace. It's new every morning. So I preach this little sermon. We've been here an hour and ten minutes. Not very long. I was going to teach you about the will of God tonight. And every sermon I had this week, I did not get to preach. I did not preach one sermon I brought to preach. Not one. Not one sermon I carried with me to preach that I preach. Maybe tonight you're here, and I think it's probably going to be a lot of us. I don't think there's any perfected situations yet. Maybe you're here and you'd say, there is a little problem somewhere. And I'm not saying a sin, okay? 
So we relate problem and sin when people preach about it the same way. No, this thing wasn't a sin issue. This was just a problem, a life issue. Yours could be a decision. Yours could be a marriage. Could be a child, a job, finances, anxiety, worry, a sickness. Your, your, your problem could be anything. Your mountain. Last night and tonight are similar. And you're deciding to say, Lord, tonight, 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 Lord. Tonight. Lord, if this man who had never heard a sermon could believe. This man who didn't sit in four nights of revival could obey. This man who had never heard a worship CD, who had never sang a hymn, didn't know what a church would ever become, could listen to your voice and go beyond his problem and apprehend his purpose. Surely I tonight, if he could have the faith to walk blind across town with dirt in his eyes, looking like a fool at the voice of a man he had never talked to, if he could do that, how much more can I respond now knowing Jesus? Tonight, I just want you, if you want to leave your seat and say, I'm, I'm ready to walk beyond my problems and into my purpose. And I just want you to leave your seat from all over this congregation and just a mass down here. We'll call this the problem-solving pit tonight.